My name is Jeff Tarowski, and welcome back once again. We are going to wrap up the West Memphis 3 case uh, involving the show that I uh, watched about five years ago called Paradise Lost. It took three episodes to wrap it all up. I felt that three would have been fine. Now, I really believe I could have gone four or five with this Paradise Lost thing, maybe even six. And if I decided to go ahead and dive into the other two documentaries, because once again, there are two other Paradise Lost documentaries about this case. There are two more that are even deeper, I think. Well, maybe not deeper, but definitely interesting because they go ahead and blame two different stepfathers. So that's telling you something right there. But here we are. Episode number 44, part three of Paradise Lost. Hold on real tight. Here we go. All right, I think I'm good. I don't know. I'll fix it later. Welcome back once again to the actor's room. My name's Jeff Tarowski, and here we are. Episode number 44, approaching 45. Very cool. But we're going to wrap up Paradise Lost. And to kick it off, we are going to start off with, holy shit, I am so fucking lost. All right. I got to get on track here. Okay. West Memphis 3, part 3. This is the end of the series. Let's do it. There's a fascinating twist to the narrative when John... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like an asshole. Okay, that last 20 seconds, just erase it from your mind. I got this... I got all this new equipment. I might... I've been spending the last hour or two kind of going over everything. I'm really nervous. I get like this. Now I know why my kids are just anxiety-ridden because I'm the same way. I want to make sure I'm doing this right. I'm like, right now, I'm more concerned about that. It shouldn't be that way. That'll be fine. I will work out all the technical stuff later on. Even my wife will help me if need be. So I have to refocus here, and I'm going to do that. The purpose of this show is to highlight... The Paradise Lost documentary. I'm going to go ahead and get myself back on track with that. And here it is. There's a fascinating twist to the narrative when John Mark Byers gives a gift to the film crew. He gave them a hunting knife as a Christmas gift. I'm not kidding. There was blood on the knife. And because there was blood on the knife, they turned it over to the police. And bam! We now have a new suspect in the documentary. The defense team licks their chops as they come up with details on how Byers could have killed the three boys. He fits in perfectly, they say, and he had motive. Um, and the reason why they say he had motive is because he scolded his son shortly before he went missing. Uh, he knew the location, and he was a big enough guy to pull it off. So on and so on. Tests were done on the knife and they found DNA. Now this is where it gets a little bit strange for me. Tests concluded that John Mark Byers and Christopher Byers have the same DNA type. 
and this is the blood that was found on the knife. I don't understand that. How can Byers have the uh, same blood type as his stepson? Mind you, this is his stepson, not his real son. Uh, I don't know about that. All right. Anyway, because of this, they had to rely on statements made by Byers in the pretrial. An expert witness claims the knife owned by Byers was similar to the cut marks on his son. Isn't that incredible? The similarities on everything going on in the case, they're piecing together things here, trying to find out what the hell is going on. Now, it's amazing to me how the defense team is sitting around talking about the possibility of the guilt of buyers. We see Ron Lax, the man who worked for free to make sure Eccles and Baldwin would not be convicted. I guess Ron Lax was this kind of a big deal attorney or I think more of like a I don't know if he was an attorney. I think he knew the law, but I think he was just one of those high-priced supporters that would kind of give advice and whatnot. Well, he took an interest in this case. You know, teenagers uh, being convicted and going on trial for their lives. He felt, and I really believe this, Ron Lax, I don't think he cared whether or not these kids were guilty or innocent. He did not want to see them go to the electric chair. I think that's noteworthy. I don't know. I just found it interesting that all these attorneys for Baldwin and Eccles, and I get it, they're looking for anything to show that these kids didn't do it, okay? And uh, a good example is that in the next Paradise Lost, the second part, they blame uh, the stepfather, John Mark Byers, because of the knife thing, and he had other shady things going on. They pinpointed him in the second documentary. Okay, and then in the third one, they picked another stepfather, uh, Terry Hobbs. Now everyone thinks he did it. So the who what what's really going on here? They're they they switch stories. They're picking new people. Uh, you know, it's like wait a minute. It's something's fishy here. So it's plain to me that the case is taken different turns along the way. Byers is put on the stand to answer a few questions about the knife. Byers is most definitely sedated. He looks fucking scared shitless. He stutters and doesn't remember when and how he used the knife. He was questioned by the police earlier about it and now gives contradictory answers. Let's put it this way. John Mark Byers looks extremely suspicious extremely there was human blood on that knife and he says that he doesn't know how it got there quote i may have cut my thumb he says now most will say that byers is not a suspect anymore but notice how guilty he seems right here don't do drugs kids now byers also is questioned about giving his son a whipping the day he was murdered Byers says he did, and it was around 5.30 p.m. He swatted him three times on the ass. I guess Christopher was fooling around with his, like, skateboard or something. He was, like, I think he was um, in the middle of the street, and I'm sure John Mark Byers told him many times not to do it, and he caught him, and he punished him. Um, now, I'm 
you know, doing a little research on John Mark Byers, he was known to be a very, I don't know, demanding, volatile man. And I think that he hit Chris on a regular basis. Um, Byers comes down off the stand and reveals to reporters that he was recently diagnosed as having a brain tumor. Ouch. As Byers is talking to reporters, we get a glimpse of Damien Eccles coping with this whole tense and horrific ordeal, right? Just heavy shit. So what's Damien doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's sitting in the courtroom with a little handheld mirror prompted up on a stick. He's using it to look at himself as he brushes his hair ever so gently. He moves the mirror from side to side, angle to angle. It's important that his hair looks good. And the way he does it looks like he's sitting in a private bathroom all alone. But for some reason, I found this image and circumstance of him gently brushing his hair in vanity to be quite disturbing. The first time the first time I saw this documentary, I was literally taken aback by it. Behavior like this is not only strange, but completely and utterly unacceptable. This shows just how psychotic Damien Eccles really is at this point. Now, if someone I was close to was on trial for murder, and I saw this person acting in this way, I would think they did it. Now, interesting note here. Byers is answering questions, right? After he got done off the stand. Well, at one point, his wife, Melissa, who's standing right next to him, she's getting a little tired of the questions, and it's plain as day. She wants to get the fuck out of there. She grabs John's arm and pulls at it. Like, come on, John, let's go. He resists it. And it's plain to see he wants to continue asking questions. I'm sorry, answering questions. And she leaves. She's gone. And he stays and answers more questions. John Mark Byers? John Mark Byers likes it. He likes the attention. The prosecuting attorneys comment on the Byers' testimony that the defense is willing to blame anybody for the murders. This is a risky move because I guess they brought up the Mr. Bojangles incident shortly before this. And it looks fishy. And then guess who was next after this to blame? Terry Hobbs. Something to chew on. Damien says he can really identify with the song Sanitarium. He looks a bit deranged at times in interviews. But I want to note what a fascinating character Damien Eccles really is. I talk about certain actors having the it factor. Damien Eccles has the it factor. I think this is why he attracts people to him. It's natural, and he has that it thing. He just does. You look at him, he just looks like he would be a great character in a movie. He really does. There's something, there's a, uh, or they have like an energy around him or that special something. He's got it. Some people have it, an aura. He definitely does. That attracts people. So I think that Damon possesses that special quality. 
Um, let's see here where I'm at. Okay. Now, cops are being questioned on the stand about what Damien told them before he was arrested. I guess Damien was questioned just like everyone else during the investigation. Uh, when the three boys were murdered, they really did. Uh, they went ahead and questioned all the people that, you know, were suspicious. And Damien was one of them. Uh, uh, Damien was asked who he think did it and why. Damien stated that it was done by someone very sick. <coughs> Damien. That it was a thrill kill. <coughs> Damien. He states that the penis is a symbol of power in his Wiccan religion. And three is a sacred number in their beliefs. Wow. Now, Damien would also tell the cops that all of us have a demonic force inside of us. Okay. They have Damien on the stand again. I am, of course, watching this documentary for the, I think, probably the fourth time. So, as I'm taking notes on this thing, I'm watching it again, of course. And, let's see here. I'm sorry. Ah, I always kind of get, like, my mind goes away sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, yeah. They have him on the stand again, right? And I just want to let you know that I'm watching it for the fourth time, this documentary. Okay? And uh, it's very interesting that while I'm taking notes, okay, for the podcast, and I watched this scene, this next scene that I'm going to play for you, I'm going to play it for you. Folks, <laughs> I got to tell you, I jumped out of my fucking chair and I choked on my spit. I'm not kidding. I did. I wouldn't lie about that. Pay close attention to this dialogue. Now, let me refer you back to your statement that you gave Officer Ridge. Did you tell him in that statement that you had been a member of a white witch group for five years? No. Okay. I've never been a member of any group. And so, if he put that in his report, you're saying that's inaccurate? Yes, I am. He made that up? Yes, I am. On question number nine, how do you think it would the person feels that did this? The answer was probably makes them feel good, gives them power. Now, I guess Officer Ridge said that, too. No, I use common sense on that. Okay. If someone was doing it, then they must have wanted to. And if they were doing something they wanted to, it must have made them happy. I don't think they were doing it because someone forced them to or because they didn't want to. So, in your mind, the person that killed these three kids, it's common sense that killing three eight-year-olds would make you feel good. Whoever did it, it must have. Wow. Oh my God, wow. Okay, the first thing I want to point out in that clip I played for you was in the very beginning of that clip, they asked him about the Wiccan thing and uh, about the fact that he told them that he was Wiccan. And then he denied it and said that I don't belong to any group. Wait a minute. Didn't he say before that he was Wiccan? I, okay. I'm confused. What is what? What is what? What? Okay. That's number one. Number two, the fact that it's common sense that the killers would feel good about what they did. Uh, that's common sense for him, maybe. Not me. I, could, I found that very interesting. 
And as they're asking Damien these questions and he's giving these really fucked up weird answers, especially when he says that it's not, uh, uh, what did he say? Something like, it's common sense that the killer would feel good about this and him explaining it. You should see the look of his attorney's face when he says it. Like, he has that, oh shit face. Look, I mean, he's just like, oh shit. <laughs> what is this kid doing? And what, oh my God. I fu- folks, folks, I really did jump the fuck out of my, I was sitting down in front of my computer at work, actually. It's slow time at uh, Tri-C, the college that I work at. It's pretty slow right now. And uh, especially it being a Friday, I had time to watch the documentary again. And I saw this part and I forgot just how revealing it was. And it really was. Okay. The very next goddamn scene, you got Damien talking with his lawyers about how good he feels. You know, how believable you were on Thursday. Were you more believable on Friday? And then one of the lawyers brings up the fact that when he was on the stand, the prosecutors mentioned how Damien kept changing his stories in order to complement the situation. And Damien, you agreed with the prosecutor. Now, why would you do that? And Damien says he was only halfway listening to him. Now, this is just incredible stuff right on film. Some of the biggest horseshit right in front of your eyes. Halfway listening to him? You expect anybody to believe that nonsense. He says he was daydreaming on the stand. Then he laughs about it. Yeah, that's hilarious. Attorneys give their final statements. Nothing significant to bring up except that Jason's lawyer tells the jury that they should not convict Jason just because he sits with Damien. Guilt by association isn't fair. Think about that for a moment. Next scene is telling. Damien meets his newborn son. He holds him awkwardly to say it plainly, and this is taking place in the courtroom, and they have a shot of one of the murdered boy's fathers, Michael Moore's dad, and his name is Todd. He sees this little scene, Damien holding his son, and it plainly sickens him. They ask Damien what his son's first words will be. Not guilty? Damien disagrees. He says, capital murder, and he laughs. Of course he does, because this is all just fun and games, right? Jason is shown with his lawyer, and he's nervous, and should be. I want to point out that Jason truly looks like a sweet boy. There's no doubt about it. He does. He wants to go to Disneyland if he's not convicted. And his attorney and him are sort of talking about that. He asks, you know, when we get out of here, where do you want to go? You want to go to Disneyland? And he goes, I would love to take you. It's a really cute moment between, between the two of them. And uh, his attorney, Jason's attorney, remarks that it doesn't look good for Damien. You can tell that he knows it doesn't look good for his client as well. 
he asks Jason about his friendship with Damien. You know, will it change? And if he thinks that, you know, do you think that Damien committed the, the murders? And once again, Jason sits in silence. No answer. He would too. That's what the lawyer said. He would too. Can you fucking believe that dialogue you just heard between Jason's lawyer and Jason himself? Basically, the lawyer asking him, do you think that Damien's guilty? And that's a classic Jason uh, no response. Uh, the, the dumbfounded, oh, I'm looking for an answer or I don't want to answer it. He knows the fucking answer. He just doesn't want to say it. And even Jason himself could see in court, how guilty Damien looked. And I want to go ahead and apologize for the quality of that clip. It was really bad. <laughs> but I really wanted you to hear it. And hear it right, right from Jason's mouth. Now he says it seems like Damien is guilty. And says he shouldn't be his friend anymore. Damien is shown next with his staff. He says it doesn't look good for him, and he knows it too. One of his people say, if you get out of here, are you going to buy the beer? And Damien says, whiskey, no more beer. And the way he says, no more beer. This is very revealing if you have read the case files. In Jesse Miss Kelly's confession, he stated that all three of them were drinking that day. Damien and Jason were drinking beer. Lots of it. And Jesse was drinking whiskey. This no beer reference has Damien regretting his decision of his actions. That is my strong personal opinion. And a what the fuck under the breath mini confession by Damien Eccles. This guy is a piece of shit. The decision is in. And I want to point out that my heart stops for Damien and Jason. Because I am not one to condemn anyone 
That's not my job. And this is a big moment. A decision of a lifetime is about to be made. And for a moment, I think to myself that I wish they were found not guilty just for a moment because I don't want to see three teenagers be sent to prison. Guilty or not, folks, it's a sad, fucked up world. And watching two young men be taken to prison is a horrible fucking thing. Guilty or not. The courtroom is tense. They show parents on both the accused and victims. I note how much Damien really looks like his mom. Damien is guilty on all counts. His reaction is reserved. He looks over to his left and he eye fucks in that general direction. My guess, and this is just a guess, he looks over at the jury. Damien's father is crying. There are real tears coming from that man. The mother looks pissed. Jason is also guilty on all counts. His reaction is a sullen inner reaction of, ah, oh, fuck. His attorney shows no reaction. Jason Baldwin's mother has to be helped out of the courtroom. She is grief stricken. She yelps as she exits. John Mark Byers. His reaction is shown next and he is dumbfounded. I mean, he's completely drugged up. His jaw dropped, mouth open. Michael Moore's parents looked a bit relieved, but mostly dazed and damaged. Pam Hobbs is shown, and she actually has a smirk on her face. Weird, I thought. It just, I don't know. Uh, her reaction was a little, I think out of all the reactions, I thought hers was peculiar. Then they pan over to Terry Hobbs. And I don't know. <laughs> I find it hard to read this guy, to be honest with you. I mean, I look at him, and I see a shady guy. I really do. His face reads as if like he possesses many secrets. Like stuff bubbling inside in a way. And I had big reservations about Hobbs from the very beginning. The last Paradise Lost documentary really did a fantastic job in making Terry look guilty. And I was sucked in. And Terry does himself no favors with a sketchy past and strange mannerisms. Same can be said about John Mark Byers, though. There were many, many that believed John to be guilty for a long time. Even Damien himself remarked that he was 100% sure that Byers did it. Then a few years later, Damien and John Mark Byers are hugging one another when Damien was released from prison. Just some crazy shit, people. Now, Damien's sister, Michelle, explains that the prosecution had no evidence. She brings up, once again, they were convicted because they wore black clothes. Lame excuse. Now, Dominique Tier, the girlfriend of Damien and the mother of Damien's son, is pissed. She cries as well. One of Damien's family members mentions the victim's parents, and yes, she feels sorry for them, but, 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 and then Domini interrupts and states she doesn't feel sorry for them, not at all. And then the woman 
who said she felt sorry for the parents, takes it back and says she feels sorry for the murdered boys, but not the parents. Then, Domini will pile on even more and say she doesn't feel sorry for anybody. The parents or the kids. None of them. Whoa, Nelly. Now, that is a hell of a thing to say. And I know this is a very emotional situation, but by God, this reveals something to me. This is a selfish bunch here, folks. And how much does Dominique know about what happened that night? It makes me wonder. The police, the police chief, the police, the police. You know, I haven't really been messing up this episode here and there. I had a little hiccup here and there. But I take great pride in being able to pronounce correctly, and I just messed up police chief. But anyways, police chief is interviewed. He's happy. They got their guy. Judge is interviewed next. They ask him what he feels about the outcome, Judge. Quote, not surprised if that's what you're asking, he says. And he felt the evidence was more than sufficient. Damien and Jason have bulletproof vests put on them. Cuffed and taken away. Taken to prison. And before I end this episode or this part of the episode, I just want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, that I look at Damien and Jason as they are prepared and taken away. Their reactions, their faces, you know, I don't see that much emotion. Is this noteworthy? Are they in shock? Well, I don't think Damien was. And I say this because the next scene they show in the documentary, and last scene they show, is Damien being interviewed earlier in the trial. And he gives this comment, quote, I knew from when I was real small that people were going to know who I was. I always had that feeling. I just never knew how they were going to learn. I kind of enjoy it. After I die, people are going to remember me forever. They're going to talk about me for years. West Memphis will tell their kids stories. It'll be like, I'm the West Memphis boogeyman. Little kids will be looking under their beds before they go to bed. Damien might be under there. End of quote. Now folks, that's fucked up. Now, I want to give a brief summary about what Damien is doing now. And I told you in the last episode, I don't want to dive deep into it because I don't understand it. It's scary shit. He has tattoos all over his body. Now, people are going to say he's got tattoos over his body. Big fucking deal. And I get that. Hey, people can have like, a, I have a buddy of mine. He's got tattoos all over. I mean, he just loves tattoos. It's incredible how much money he has spent putting tattoos on his body but you know what he loves it and there I remember the last time we get together every year we go out and it's just the guys and we all just sit around drink and bullshit have a great time and 
basically he gets a new tattoo every now and then and he talks about them what they mean so on and so forth there's a reason behind a tattoo people people just don't go out put tattoos on themselves and go eh, I'll take that one because it looks cool maybe some do that maybe but most of the time people put tattoos on th- themselves for a reason they mean something and the tattoos on my buddy's body uh, they mean something but very innocent okay they all have a meaning of innocence like oh this one's for my kid and this one's for my wife and oh I just like the design on this one and this is what it means Damien Eccles has tattoos all over his body yes and they all mean something and they all uh, have reference to black magic occult uh, all that stuff all the things that he's into um, there's like a special language they have and I'm going to go into this now and I'm kind of scared to talk about it because it involves a business that I respect very much. But the main reason why the West Memphis Three were released from prison is because they got some strong backing from the entertainment field. They had celebrities like Johnny Depp support them, put in money. Peter Jackson has lots of money, lots of power, and lots of pull. He made a documentary called West of Memphis, very biased and He was instrumental in bringing up the fact that these kids were put in jail because of the way they looked and the way they dressed and what music they listened to. And celebrities really pushed this and not knowing the facts of the case, so on and so forth. And just watching Paradise Lost, you know, you have this upswell of emotion coming out from supporters saying, oh my God, poor kids, we got to get them the hell out of there. And I believe it was, I think, now don't take my word for it, but I think there was around $15 million raised for the West Memphis Three to get out of prison. That's a lot of money. They had support teams. They had uh, like public relations that would go out and do all that they could to gain support. Uh, That way they were able to hire the most expensive lawyers, all that stuff. And when they accepted the Alfred plea, when that uh, the plea came out, they got Damien out of jail, out of prison, because Damien claimed that it was killing him. Uh, he at one point said that his teeth fell out, and but they grew back, he said, magically. Uh, all that stuff. I guess he was just in bad shape. Uh, he said that he was losing his sight. Uh, he was uh, never given forks or any utensils to use in prison when he ate his food. That was complete bullshit. There is nothing but BS coming out of this guy. I hate to say it, but it's true. And I really didn't want to dive too deep into the celebrity thing because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it's 100% true that Johnny Depp uh, believes that Damien is innocent. He might, okay? Uh, But the fact that all these people that defend Eccles have an interest in the occult now that is to be taken very seriously about this and I just wanted to point that out before I end this episode of the actors room highlighting the paradise lost documentaries this being the last part I wanted to go ahead and just talk about this documentary because it truly is an amazing documentary and those of you who are listening to this have probably seen it 
So you're sort of getting a rehash of it and then getting my opinions on it. <clears throat> and I hope I brought something new to the table about this that you didn't know or just having another opinion where you have your opinion about certain things, not only about the case, but just of the first documentary because I think that's the best one. The first one was very good. And re-watching it again for the fifth time, I did catch a few things I didn't the other four times I watched it. So it was great to see. So I hope you enjoyed this series of Paradise Lost. So go ahead and uh, visit the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. Leave comments and reviews. It's very important to do that. And I also want to let you know that I put a donate button on my show. You go to the website and it's right there on the right-hand side. You click on it and you throw you know a dollar my way. The show really could appreciate that. My brother would too. We're going to collaborate, do something very soon. So stay tuned. And I hope that you had a great day today. I hope you had a great evening. And I also want to let you know that I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Well, there you go. I wrapped it up. I hope I did a good job. And I hope the quality of the show sounds a little better, except for those clips I played for you. I mean, those are old clips, man. And they're coming off of YouTube, you know, and the quality themselves are just bad. So I try to do the best I can, making the show a little bit better to hear. Um, there are some shows that I've done that I'm very embarrassed of. Like, I'm talking 20 episodes ago. Like, I brought my laptop in the one time doing, I think, the Daniel Day-Lewis episode. I did, like, Daniel Day-Lewis, like, uh, the first half of the day. I recorded. I had something to do. You know, I had to eat dinner, maybe. That one took a while to do. And then I went ahead and continued doing that podcast episode the second half of the day in the evening. And I had all my notes on my laptop. So instead of having printed it out, I just brought the laptop in with me so I can read off my notes. And the laptop itself has that little fan in there. <clears throat> so you got to hear the fan. And then when there was like some sort of like, it bounced off my, my voice. All the sound bounced off of the computer. It made like a weird metallic sound coming back at me. And it was so plain as day. The sound quality was so horrible and I really am sorry that the beginning of my shows in the, in the podcast the first half or whatever way back in the day some of the quality is okay but most of it really isn't pretty bad so from here on out better quality shows right thank you <clears throat> once again for listening to the actors room god bless you have a good one <laughs>